0: Good morning, welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning, here today's top stories. Israel releases October 7th CCTV footage from Gaza's largest hospital. Proof, it says, Hamas used the complex as terrorist infrastructure during the terrorist attacks.
0: And we speak to an expert about the hostage situation as the conflict in Gaza enters its seventh week.
1: Former First Lady Rosalind Carter has passed away at age 96. We look back at her life of service and her time with former President Jimmy Carter.
0: With Thanksgiving fast approaching, former President Trump served meals to Texas National Guard soldiers during a border visit, picking up a key endorsement.
1: Protesters at last week's APEC Summit were ambushed by a dozen men waiting for them. Hear what they had to say about the assault.
0: A survivor of China's cultural revolution sees a similar situation happening in the US right now. She makes her case to us citing cancel culture and revisionist history.
1: Several major corporations are pulling ads from social media company X amid controversy and the ousted CEO of OpenAI landed a new position this morning.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD. Welcome everyone, today is Monday, November 20th. And you know Evelyn, there's one big question right now, what's behind that blast-proof door in the tunnel the IDF says it found near the hospital connecting to it?
1: Big question, and it just seems like, yeah, they've been finding more things, but the question is also, is it actually the major command center they were suspecting it to be.
0: Yeah, and they're still investigating, so we'll have Hmm. to see.
1: Absolutely. So today's top news is about that. Israel says it has proof Hamas used Gaza's largest hospital complex as terrorist infrastructure during its October 7th attack.
0: The IDF published CCTV footage taken from al-Shifa on October 7th after the Hamas terrorist attack. Israel says
1: the footage shows civilians abducted from Israeli territory along with terrorists in
0: plain clothes carrying guns. One injured hostage is bleeding on a rolling hospital roller bed and the other is being pushed and dragged.
1: Fears of a regional conflict over the Israel-Hamas war are growing in the maritime front. Houthi terrorists seized a cargo ship in the southern Red Sea yesterday and took 25 crew members hostage.
0: Israel calls the hijacking an Iranian act of terrorism with consequences for international security as Japan rushes to work out a deal to secure a release. As Israel works to free hostages
1: taken by Hamas, its focus has largely been on Gaza's biggest hospital, al-Shifa. This weekend, Israel's military released footage of a tunnel, it says was dug under the complex. It comes equipped with a blast door and firing holes. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the developments in the Israel Hamas war.
3: As the Israel Hamas war enters its seventh week, focus remains on Al Shifa. The US and Israel say a terrorist compound center is built below and beside the largest hospital in the Gaza Strip. Israel's military published a video Sunday of a tunnel it says was found in the hospital compound inside a shed. The IDF says the tunnel is over 30 feet deep and runs over 50 yards to a blast-proof door with firing ports. The army says the tunnel contained munitions, but that they had not yet opened the door because it was likely to be booby-trapped. As Israel pushes forward with its campaign to dismantle Hamas, aggression from other terrorist organizations is growing. Houthi Terrorist Sunday seized a cargo ship in the Southern Red Sea, taking 25 crew members hostage. A spokesman for the Houthi terror group said the vehicle carrier and its crew had been taken to a port in Yemen. He warned that all ships in the Red Sea affiliated with Israel would become targets and that military actions against Israel and its allies would continue until the operation in Gaza stops. Ship tracking data showed the location of the vessel after it was seized. Two US defense officials confirmed the hijacking, speaking on the condition of anonymity. They said the terrorists had rappelled down from a helicopter onto the ship. Israel says the boat was British owned and Japanese operated and that it had no Israeli connections or crew on board. The ship's Japanese operator, NYK Line, says the vessel had no cargo at the time it was seized and that its crew members are from Mexico, the Philippines, Bulgaria, Romania and Ukraine. The seizure resembles others carried out by Iran, a regime that's been arming Houthi terrorists for years. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
1: To dive deeper into the war, we're bringing in Ariel Lightstone. He is a former senior advisor to the U.S. Ambassador to Israel good morning area it's good to have you again now first I want to talk to you about the public sentiment so what are the consequences we're seeing some eroding public support for Israel and of course also um, for Biden in regards um, to his war policies what do you think these effects are for Israel
4: I think a couple different things this past Friday night when I hugged my kids at the Sabbath dinner I realized it was 42 nights since 42 nights since other parents hugged their kids for the last time, not knowing that they wouldn't see their kids and know about their whereabouts. Uh, The fact that this is even questioning Israel's support or support for President Biden supporting Israel uh, questions the moral compass of those people who are pushing back against that. So Israel has a job to do. I think Israel will do that job. And I think in the United States of America, we have to make sure that we're standing with Israel. You saw just this past week that Osama bin Laden was trending on TikTok, uh, we have to do some resetting of the values that we have.
1: Hmm. And I think that brings uh, us to the next questions about the rule of law, right? So, I mean, the question is also about how well to justify the moves that Israel is making. So what kind of evidence, for instance, um, does Israel still need to show to justify that the raid on al-Shifa, for example, was was okay? and um, Because, of course, we know that the public, there is still unconvinced. So where does Israel fall short? What else do they need to show?
4: You're 100% correct. The public will remain unconvinced. They just showed CCTV of hostages being kept there. They've interviewed doctors who are in the hospital who admit that there's parts of the hospital that they're not allowed to go to on pain of their own death. They've discovered tunnels that are there that are protected by... Uh, bulletproof doors that are likely not holding like like extra PPE material Israel repeatedly will show stuff the world will repeatedly ignore that which it shows so therefore Israel has an obligation to go do what it does just as you can remember the first week of the war when we spoke about this Israel was accused of bombing the Indonesian hospital or the Baptist Hospital you get confused which hospital they get confused of bombing and it turns out that they didn't do the bombing That did not affect the ability of the world to accuse Israel of the next war crime and the next war crime and the next war crime, all of which Israel disproved that they had done. So you wind up with a situation where Israel has an insurmountable obstacle to try to disprove, and I think that they're actually done trying to do that. They'll conduct themselves appropriately by the conduct of war, and they'll execute the war that needs to happen. Now, when you spoke about President Biden, President Biden can actually resolve all of this by not including in every one of his comments that Israel has an obligation to conduct itself based upon the rules of war. By saying that, it implies that had he not warned them, they wouldn't conduct themselves by the rule of war. That's ridiculous. Israel does conduct itself by the international rules of war, and the United States of America should just come out and publicly support them for doing so.
1: Well, also uh, shifting gears here a little bit, according to the Foreign Affairs magazine um, and the interviews they have been carrying out, so Gazans were not very supportive of Hamas before, but now many are actually fearing a new wave of of extremism and fearing that this war has been creating that support for Hamas. I just want to get your thoughts on this and also how do you think uh, this will impact the political solution after the war in terms of who will govern?
4: Yeah, I mean, in terms of polls, repeatedly polls for the last 15 years, Hamas has polled over 70% popularity, not just in Gaza, but also in the West Bank and the Palestinian Authority. Just yesterday, the Palestinian Authority, which are the moderate peace partners, came out and said that Israel actually staged the attack on October 7th, making up this massacre. So when you're looking at from the river to the sea, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, there is a inculcation of incitement amongst Palestinians that makes them impossible neighbors. So when you want to go ahead and start, what is the political solution after? The political solution must begin with the fact that we treat or we teach children the ability to live with other people, even if they're not exactly like you. For example, many of your audience might not know that Israel has two million Arab uh, citizens. I went to a funeral yesterday of a Muslim soldier who fought for the IDF, who was killed in Gaza trying to save... Uh, these hostages. This is somebody who did that. There is not a single Jew who lives in Gaza. There is not a single Jew who lives in any of the Palestinian Authority areas. So when we're talking about what is the political solution afterwards, it has to do with tolerance, it has to do with acceptance, and it needs to begin with education. Mm.
1: Well, thank you very much, Area Lightstone, for shedding light on this. I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. A heavy rocket and missile exchange between Hezbollah terrorists and Israel this weekend. The Iran-backed terrorist group says it shot down an Israeli drone near the border. Israel's military said it intercepted a missile fired at one of its drones.
0: Lebanese officials say an Israeli strike hit a building in an industrial area. The strike marked one of the deepest by Israel inside Lebanese territory since the war began. Israel's military did not immediately comment on the incident. Hezbollah released a series of statements on Saturday saying it hit Israeli military sites and troops in areas along the border, causing casualties. The U.S. and Qatar have given upbeat assessments on talks to release hostages kidnapped by Hamas.
1: The White House says negotiations have been ongoing on around the clock and some areas of disagreement
0: have narrowed. The news comes after a blast rocked a U.N. school that was used as a shelter in northern Gaza. Here's more on that.
5: Talks have intensified recently for the release of hostages being held by Hamas. The White House says officials have been working around the clock to secure their release.
6: What I can say uh, about this at this time is we think uh, that we are closer than we have been uh, perhaps at any point uh, since these negotiations began weeks ago.
5: Hamas abducted about 240 people, including some Americans, during the October 7 attacks, according to Israeli officials. Though official accounts have varied as intelligence in Gaza develops.
7: I really believe that it's time for the Israeli government and the United States government to work out a fair deal to bring some of these hostages home.
5: Pressure is growing on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to reach a deal for their safe return. Qatar has been acting as a mediator between Israel, Hamas, and the United States.
6: There are areas of difference uh, and disagreement that have been narrowed, uh, if not uh, closed out entirely.
5: Family members have grown impatient as they worry about their loved ones being held.
8: For me, yeah, of course, I'm frustrated. I want to see them home now.
5: And the war continues to rage in Gaza. On Saturday, a blast occurred at a United Nations-run school being used as a shelter in Gaza. It is unknown what caused the blast, and Israel says an investigation is underway.
1: Israeli Defense Forces say 19-year-old Israeli soldier Noah Marciano was killed by a Hamas terrorist in the Shifa hospital.
0: Marciano was one of two hostages found dead near Gaza's largest hospital last week. She was kidnapped by Hamas on October 7th. Hamas claimed she was killed in an Israeli airstrike.
1: The IDF's statement rejects that claim, saying Marciano was injured but not killed in the strike that killed her captor.
0: The IDF says Noah's injuries were not life-threatening. It stated, quote, Hamas murdered Noah inside Shifa Hospital. And coming up, Texas Governor Greg Abbott hands out his 2024 endorsement. He says the U.S. needs a president who will restore law and order and not let criminals run amok.
1: Bad news for President Biden in the latest national NBC poll, with over 60 percent of Democratic voters saying they disapprove of his foreign policy. Former President Trump takes the lead in a hypothetical potential 2024 rematch.
0: More January 6th footage released. Some conservatives say the footage undermines the violent insurrection narrative while others disagree. Stay tuned for that story.
1: Good to have you back. Today is November 20th. Of course, I think I've misspoken earlier, but uh, heading back to the news, this border crisis was back in the spotlight this weekend. Former President Trump vowed to renew his crackdown on illegal immigration while visiting the Mexican
0: border in Texas on Sunday. Trump appeared alongside Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who endorsed the Republican frontrunner for president.
9: We need a president who's going to restore law and order in the United States of America not letting these criminals run ransack over the stores that you see images of almost night- nightly. We need a president who's going to restore world peace as opposed to this outbreak of warfare under Joe Biden. We need
4: Donald J. Trump back as our president of the United States of America. It's just a, a tremendous honor to get that endorsement in particular because he really stepped up. He stepped up to the plate. He's doing the job of what? The federal government is supposed to be doing and i'm just telling you mr governor i am going to make your job much easier
1: earlier sunday president trump served meals to texas national guard soldiers troopers and others who will be stationed at the border over thanksgiving
0: trump also had another rally this weekend the former president was in fort dodge iowa at a high school after the event trump signed autographs and greeted people
1: a victory for former President Trump in Colorado, a judge on Friday rejected an effort to keep the GOP frontrunner off the state's primary
0: ballot. Colorado District Judge Sarah Wallace says she believes Trump did engage in an insurrection, but she also said that the insurrectionist ban in the Civil War era 14th Amendment does not apply to presidents. Wallace is the
1: third judge to allow Trump to remain on the state's 2024 primary ballot. Judges in Minnesota and Michigan have also rejected the insurrectionist ban argument.
0: Trump spokesperson Stephen Chung applauded the ruling, which in his words is another nail in the coffin of the un-American ballot challenges. He also says voters have a constitutional right to vote for any candidate they choose.
1: And a new NBC poll has President Biden losing in a potential 2024 rematch with former President
0: Trump. Trump came in with 46% of registered voter support. President Biden, 44%.
1: The results are within the poll's margin of error, with
0: Trump holding on to his lead over GOP rivals. Presidential candidate Nikki Haley gained some ground, up six points from the last NBC poll.
1: Biden's approval rating dropped to 40 percent, the lowest since he took office. One of the major areas Biden is seeing trouble is foreign policy and the Israel-Hamas war. Over 60 percent of Democrats polled disapproved of his foreign policy and 56 percent of all voters disapproved of his handling of the war in Gaza. Around 70 percent of young Democrat voters shared that sentiment.
0: Biden also lost a hypothetical matchup with a random unnamed GOP opponent. The generic candidate had nearly 50 percent. Biden had just under 40 percent.
1: Controversy in Washington over newly released footage from the day of the Capitol breach.
0: Senator Mike Lee is calling for the January 6th committee to be investigated. He's accusing the panel of intentionally hiding footage he believes could be helpful for some January 6th prisoners. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the latest.
10: Speaker Mike Johnson made waves with his Friday announcement that previously undisclosed Capitol Police security footage would be made public. Roughly 90 hours have already been released, with more expected to come on Monday. Johnson wrote Friday on X Today, I am keeping my promise to the American people and making all the January 6th tapes available to all Americans. The speaker shared a direct link to a website that will be continuously updated with thousands of hours of footage. Johnson says the American people, can always be trusted to evaluate information and make their own judgments and decisions, stating that when bureaucrats and partisan activists withhold data to advance a narrative, it erodes trust in American institutions. In a post on social media, former President Donald Trump congratulated the speaker for having the courage and fortitude to release the footage. The footage shows the Capitol premises during the events of January 6, 2021 when protesters made their way into the capital, some after battling with police. However, some of the footage shows people casually walking beside police officers, who appear indifferent and let them saunter along. A number of conservatives reacted to the new footage on X, suggesting the newly released tapes could have an impact on the cases of some January 6th defendants. Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk shared footage showing police and protesters standing around casually, writing, And just like that, the J-6 committee's violent insurrection narrative has crumbled. Senator Mike Lee reacted to the post by asking, Why didn't Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger ever refer to any of these tapes? Maybe they never looked for them. Maybe they never even questioned their own narrative. The two were key figures on the January 6th committee. For her part, Cheney took to X to share a previously available compilation of violent interactions between January 6th protesters and police, writing, Here's some January 6th video for you, while Kinzinger took to X to post a screen grab from the security footage appearing to show Senator Josh Hawley running, writing, Here is Hawley not running from not-violent attackers during the NOT insurrection. Representative Robert Garcia says it's fine to release more information to create a broader picture about the events of January 6th, but believes the previously released footage tells a clear tale.
4: We know that there was a violent attack on the Capitol, egged on by Donald Trump, and now enabled by this Republican majority.
10: The January 6th committee was disbanded in January this year, shortly after it released an over 800-page report. It voted to refer President Trump to the Department of Justice, suggesting criminal charges, including obstruction and insurrection, charges Trump denies. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And now for some analysis
0: on the NBC poll we previously mentioned, and former Governor Nikki Haley's rise as the field shrinks. Let's hear from Jason Meister, a Republican strategist and former Trump advisory board member. Jason, let's see. I guess we don't have the guest right now, but maybe we'll have a chance to speak with him a little bit later. Ah, looks like we do have him after all. Jason, thank you for making the time to speak with us today and help us unpack this poll. According to NBC poll, one in five Democrats disapprove of the job Biden is doing. Doesn't an incumbent need more support from his own party to win re-election typically? It does seem like we have a technical problem here. Unfortunately, we'll have to see if we can get Jason back with us in a little while.
1: So we're moving on here. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter passes away at 96 after a short time in hospice care.
0: Hear what world leaders had to say in her honor. And we take a look back at the First Lady's life and her time spent with former President Jimmy Carter, as well as her commitment to the service of others when we come back.
11: I'm Iris Powell at the White House, and we are NTD.
1: Welcome back. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter died yesterday at the age of 96.
0: She was placed in hospice care at home with her husband on Friday. She was previously diagnosed with dementia.
1: Reactions to her passing have been pouring in. President Biden said First Lady Rosalind Carter walked her own path, inspiring a nation and world along the way. Former President Trump said she was a devoted First Lady, a great humanitarian and a beloved wife to her husband for 77
0: years. Several others, including former Presidents Bush, Clinton and Obama, all praised her in statements they released. A series of events will take place beginning today, culminating with her funeral on Wednesday. Here's
1: a look back on Mrs. Carter's life and her extraordinary marriage to the 39th president of the United States, Jimmy Carter.
7: A soft-spoken small town girl, Rosalind Smith Carter became one of America's most charming first ladies. Born in Plains, Georgia on August 18, 1927, she was valedictorian of her high school class and met and married Jimmy Carter when he was in the U.S. Navy. When Mr. Carter's father died in 1953, they moved back to Plains to manage the family's peanut farm.
12: I didn't want to go home. <laughs> I was having a good time. Um, I think I had thought I had outgrown Plains, George. I was had gotten a little too big for my britches. I only pouted for about a year after we got home.
7: <laughs> they had four children, three boys, Jack, Chip, and Jeff, and later daughter, Amy. In 1962, Jimmy Carter entered politics and Rosalind hit the campaign trail. Campaigning was fun
12: up to a certain point because I got to travel and see the whole country. The
7: most fun are the people you meet. She supported her husband's successful bids to become governor of Georgia and later president of the United States.
2: So help me God.
13: Congratulations.
7: Mrs. Carter was actively involved in her husband's presidency, attending Camp David meetings and cabinet briefings. She was a strong advocate for equal treatment of the mentally ill.
12: If they had coverage for their mental illness, um, then the, the overall health care costs would come down.
7: When the Carters left the White House in 1981, they spearheaded a new challenge, Habitat for Humanity, building houses for the poor. A year later, they established the Carter Center, a foundation devoted to promoting human rights, resolving conflicts, and eradicating diseases. Mrs. Carter continued to focus on reducing the stigma of mental illness. I'm
12: really, really proud. I've been very impressed with what you can do.
7: Another focus, caregiving, an issue close to her heart, as she told a congressional committee. It's been
12: part of my life since I was 12 years old. Um, and my father was diagnosed with leukemia at age 44. We lived in a very small town, and all the neighbors rallied around, but I still vividly remember going to my secret hiding place, the outdoor privy, if you can believe that, to cry. That's where I could be alone.
7: In 1999, Rosalind and Jimmy Carter were honored with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The nation's highest honor for civilians mrs carter was often irritated that her husband was praised more for his achievements after his presidency than those of his administration but she accepted that was politics doesn't matter what you do
12: you're going to be criticized for it and so do what you
7: want to do and they were a remarkably close first couple jimmy carter used to say rosalind was much more than his wife
14: it's always Rosalind to whom I turn for the primary advice and we make the decisions together. She's the matriarch when our 11 grandchildren or our four children have a problem, they call Rosalind first because they know that they'll get a sympathetic ear.
7: She remained by his side, occasionally joining with other first families and later supporting each other in their twilight, she with dementia and Mr. Carter in hospice. And in the 39th president, Rosalind Carter got more than just a husband.
12: My life with Jimmy Carter has been more adventuresome than I ever dreamed it would be.
0: The Carter Center released a statement from former President Carter that said in part, Rosalyn was my equal partner in everything I ever accomplished. She gave me wise guidance and encouragement when I needed it. As long as Rosalind was in the world, I always knew somebody loved and supported me.
1: And coming up, a survivor's warning. Are there similarities between the Cultural Revolution in China under Mao Zedong and what's happening in the U.S. right now? A survivor of the revolution tells us absolutely.
0: After last week's APEC summit, several protesters were ambushed by a dozen mysterious men sending one victim to the hospital. Get that story when we come back.
1: Good to have you back. A House committee has launched an investigation into Princeton's hiring of a former Iranian official. It's demanding answers from the Ivy League school.
0: Committee members say that Hussein Mousavian worked for the Iranian regime his entire professional life before coming to the U.S.
1: The 12 committee members sent a letter to Princeton with detailed questions about Iran's alleged influence at Princeton through Mousavian. They asked questions like whether the Obama administration was involved in his hiring.
0: And whether Princeton is aware of any communication between Mousavian and the Iranian regime. The members wrote they are concerned about American universities providing opportunities for hostile nations to exercise influence on U.S. soil. A survivor of the cultural revolution in 20th century China has published a book called Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. I asked her if there are similarities between what happened in China under Mao Zedong's rule and what's happening in the U.S. right now. Here's what she told me.
13: Absolutely, that's why I wrote the book, It's to uh, lay out the parallels of these two Cultural Revolution. By now, every American is familiar with what cancel culture is. What cancel culture look like in uh, Mao's uh, Cultural Revolution? It's called uh, smash the four O's. What are they? The old culture, the old tradition, old habit and old custom. That is the Chinese civilization. All has to be get rid of, eradicated, burned to the ground. Why? Because they want to implement Mao's ideology called Maoism as the supreme ideology of the land. That's why they want to get rid of everything in the past and everything that's traditional. Let the young people forget the past. And that's exactly what the cancel culture is here. She can you give us some specific
0: examples of attacks on Traditional American values or on religion here
13: in the United States? Yes, I, I I tell you what happened in China. They went after statues. Why? That's the symbol of tradition, especially a symbol of religion. Buddhist temples and the Christian churches. All the statues were toppled down, and they also changed names. The names remind the people of tradition, of virtue, of the past. Those had to be uh, get rid of. They changed the street names, institution names, and even personal names.
0: So is there a red guard or an
13: equivalent form created here now in America? Absolutely. And those are the BMM and uh, transgender ideology. And now, Uh, Hamas supporters and we see them on the uh, uh, on our streets and we see them in our campuses and they are the American Red Guards or to be more uh, specific they are the American Blue Guards.
0: So what can parents do to prevent the next generation from indoctrination?
13: I think they can start with reading my book and realizing that's the same thing that um, the CCP has been pushing on Ch- Chinese kids and I was one of them, that my education in mouse China was nothing but indoctrination and that is what they're pushing in American schools. In China, they made the kids the revolutionaries. They were the ones learned very little basic reading and math, but they' are very good revolutionaries, and they carried out Mao's cultural revolution.
0: Well, this is a very startling comparison that you're making here, considering that Mao's cultural revolution claimed the lives of millions of people, and it had caused cruel and inhumane treatment of hundreds of millions. So, Van Fleet, survivor of Mao's cultural revolution and freedom education ambassador at the Independent Women's Forum, thank you for your time. Thank you so much.
1: Three men were ambushed after protesting the APEC Summit in San Francisco.
0: A victim says they were walking back to their car when they saw the group of men waiting on the side of the road. And today's Jason
8: Blair brings us more. Three men were walking back to their car on Friday. They had been protesting at the airport against Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping being in San Francisco for the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, or APEC.
7: Trump, Trump, CCP.
8: They then noticed a group of men starting to follow them.
12: They were going to attack
8: us very soon. Wait. Wait. Coincidentally, Zhang and his two friends were heading to a police station to file reports of previous attacks outside of the apex summit, but those were not as severe as this one.
13: So I just remember one guy just
8: uh, just put me down from behind, and then my brain just went blank after that. I couldn't remember anything. Zhang said the next thing he remembers, he was lying on the sidewalk.
11: Okay, sit down, sit down. Sit
8: down, yeah. They were already gone. And I heard a lady calling the police. Of the three, Zhang was the most seriously injured and was taken to a hospital.
11: It is very unfortunately, we American people, I think know very little about how deep uh, the infiltration of the CCP is already here.
8: I spoke with Jennifer Zung about the attackers. She's a China expert and former member of the Chinese Communist Party or CCP. She once worked for the Development Research Center of the State Council of the People's Republic of China. So, Jennifer, based on your opinion, do you think that these guys are more than just CCP supporters?
11: yes definitely so from the way them they carry themselves the way they organize themselves and even their haircut, cut uh, some people recognize that's very similar for uh, with the ccp soldiers or police officers
8: zong said she's been getting reports that ccp soldiers have been entering the us through the southern border
11: what's the purpose could they uh, in some day be you know be activated once they got some call from the ccp they they
8: in april multiple ccp police stations were discovered in the u.s the fbi arrested two people in connection to one in new york city
11: this time this kind of violence and organized violence has never been seen before so i'm very much concerned they are not just your ordinary ccp supporters
8: Zhang said he moved to the U.S. from China this year to escape the CCP's tyranny. Chinese CCP to do this brutal
13: thing in American soil? Why they allow these things happening here?
8: He also said during the protests, the police seem to be biased and favor the pro-CCP supporters. Zhang said he's filed a police report but says SFPD has not been very cooperative. So far, no arrests have been made. Reporting in San Francisco, Jason Blair, NTD News.
0: It is an alarming report and this is just something that suggests that the CCP has tentacles that extend beyond its borders and out here into the United States because of course free speech would obviously be in direct opposition to their aims at suppressing their own people.
1: Mm, right, and we have of course seen that with the covert police stations that have been, we have been finding all across the world actually. And I mean, that's of course there is people coming across the border that are actually fleeing oppression like this gentleman that we saw, and that he was obviously attacked and he had bruises all over his face, but then this also shows a vul- vulnerability at the border, right? Because Chinese immigrants make the fourth highest national nationality at the border now behind Venezuelans, uh, Ecuadorians, and Haitians, so that just shows the vulnerability that we have at the border to get to rail those in.
0: That is an interesting point you raise because there is a spike in Chinese nationals crossing into the United States from Mexico, and we're actually going to delve into that later hopefully with the guest, and we're going to Try to sort through all that and find out who really is crossing and see if there's any concerns with spies. But before we head into the break, we're going to bring you some short headlines. The I-10 freeway in Los Angeles is expected to reopen. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass shared some good news with L.A. commuters.
13: Everyone came together with the urgency, knowing what it means to have a freeway where 300,000 Angelenos pass every single day and the disruption that that caused in our city.
1: The elevated Los Angeles freeway was closed for more than a week after an arson fire. It's expected to fully reopen ahead of this morning's commute. That's a day earlier than previously announced.
0: Meanwhile, police are searching for a person of interest near LA. He's thought to be between 30 and 35 years old and appears to have a possible burn injury on his left leg. The Department
1: of Homeland Security raided a storage facility in Manhattan last week and seized knockoff goods valued at $1 billion if they were authentic.
0: Two men were charged with trafficking and counterfeit goods. A former NYPD detective said storage spaces all over the country are well-suited for illegal retailers and that, in his experience, all roads lead back to China when it comes to counterfeit goods.
1: And coming up, several major corporations announced they're pulling ads from X as a social media platform deals with its latest controversies.
0: And Sam Altman, CEO and co-founder of OpenAI was fired last Friday in a move that shocked the tech world. Today, he's found a new job. What comes next for Altman?
14: I'm Arian Pastar in South America, Brazil, and we are NTD.
1: Welcome back. A number of major companies are pulling ads from X, formerly known as Twitter. Among them are IBM, Disney, NBC Universal, and Warner Brothers Discovery.
0: And joining us now to discuss this is entity business host Don Ma. Don, thanks for coming on. Yeah, always a pleasure. What can you tell us more about this situation?
15: Right, so the companies that uh, Evelyn mentioned just now, uh, there's more than that and there's Uh, A number of them actually didn't say why they were pulling ads uh, from Twitter, so we don't know for sure. But it does come after a media report uh, by this uh, outlet called Media Matters for America. And this report accused uh, X of serving ads next to anti-Semitic content. Um, And in that report, they actually showed a couple of screenshots of ads actually being next to anti-Semitic posts. Um, But according to Twitter, uh, they did a little bit of an investigation, a very small one. Uh, It seems like uh, this report might have faked those photos in a way, uh, but it's not that they photoshopped uh, those pictures. Um, So let me explain a little bit here. So according to Twitter, apparently what they did was a Media Matters user uh, created alternate accounts and then they just followed like uh, anti-Semitic uh, content creators. So their timeline would be populated by anti-Semitic uh, material and posts. And then they would just refresh their timeline until an ad appeared next to one of these posts, which majority was Uh, anti-semitic and they took a screenshot uh, of that. Um, So let me actually give you some specific data points from from X. Um, So on that day, apparently 5.5 billion ads were served in total uh, on Twitter and less than 50 were actually displayed alongside uh, anti-semitic posts that uh, this media report mentioned. So 50 out of 5.5 5.5 billion that's about like 0.000009 or something like that percent um, So uh, Twitter a uh, Twitter spokesperson actually said it just goes to show how good their algorithm is um, at avoiding this type of situations and for one of the ads that actually appeared uh, next to uh, anti-Semitic material that uh, they mentioned in this report only one person actually saw uh, this ad, and it was the user from uh, Media Matters. Um, so you know that that's another data point from Twitter uh, that they're saying. So what X is saying that uh, this report actually is misrepresenting what users actually experience on the platform, and uh, Elon Musk actually said that uh, today they're going to sue uh, Media uh, Reports, uh, Med- Media Matters uh, because of this report. Um, and Media Matters president actually had a chance to respond to uh, what Elon Musk said about uh, filing a lawsuit. Um, in an M- uh, MSNBC interview, uh, the-, the president uh, talked to the host, and he did get a chance to respond to this uh, what Elon Musk said. And it seems like he didn't actually dispute the data points. Um, maybe he uh, didn't want to or but if it were me I mean if somebody's accusing me of making a false report the first chance I would get I would uh try to dispute that but it seems like uh he didn't and so yeah that's just a general overview of the situation right now
1: yeah very detailed and that's very fascinating and I think Elon Musk was calling it a thermonuclear lawsuit so I think we'll see some drama unfolding here so what else did you do did you have for us today
15: Yeah, sure. Uh, It seems like UAW rank-and-file members approved contracts with Ford and Stellantis. Almost 70% of members in both companies voted for the deal. Uh, Workers returned to work a few weeks ago after the tentative agreement was reached. The approval of new contracts with Detroit's Big Three automakers ends any chance for strikes by the union until the contract runs out in 2028. And workers will receive an immediate 11% raise and 30% over the contract's life. Uh, Improvements in retirement benefits and job security are also on the way. Uh, That's all from me.
0: Yeah, it is interesting that those people at Ford and GM actually, well, actually, it was GM that didn't have as much support as Ford and Solantis, the similar deals. So I wonder why there was a rift. But either way, Don Ma, host of Entity Business, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you.
1: And just in this morning, the ousted CEO of of OpenAI is joining Microsoft after being fired last Friday. Sam Altman's termination caused a firestorm of reactions, moves, and counter moves over the weekend. Let's take a look.
3: Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said that Altman and Greg Brockman, another OpenAI co-founder, will be joining Microsoft to lead a new advanced AI research team. This after the board of OpenAI announced the dismissal of co-founder and CEO Sam Altman on Friday. OpenAI is the company behind ChatGPT. The sudden firing surprised the tech world, including Microsoft, which owns 49% of the company. According to a memo signed by all four board of directors, Altman's behavior and lack of transparency in his interactions with the board hindered their ability to oversee the company as required. Investors and employees demanded Altman's reinstatement to prevent a talent drain and to protect an upcoming $86 billion share sale. Altman was seen returning to OpenAI Sunday for a private meeting with the board of directors. But reinstatement discussions didn't bear fruit. Meanwhile, Emmett Shear, the former CEO of streaming service Twitch, will be joining OpenAI. Microsoft's Nadella posted on X, We look forward to getting to know and working with Emmett Shear and OpenAI's new leadership team.
0: Well, I'm curious to see what kind of AI development they're going to spearhead.
1: Yeah, same. But it looks like uh, that tech, uh, the whole tech industry, there is some, uh, they're stirring things up there at the moment. Things are getting mixed up, so let's see how that plays out. Um, But we're heading to a quick break, and then we're coming back with the second part of the broadcast.
2: There are real consequences to controlled media. NTD's founders know them firsthand. Our freedom of thought is the price. This is the lesson that guides us in everything we do.
3: Yeah, so there's the tear gas there right.
2: We know the value of a free society. We and we take seriously. The responsibility to preserve it. We are NTD.
0: Good morning, welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning, here are top stories. Israel says it has proof Hamas terrorists used al-Shifa as military infrastructure during the October 7th attacks, and Houthi terrorists take 25 hostages after hijacking a ship near Yemen.
0: Pressure on Israel's Prime Minister grows to get back hostages kidnapped by Hamas. We have the latest on talks to secure their release.
1: The U.S.-Mexico border is seeing record high numbers of illegal immigrants, a lot of them Chinese nationals. We speak to a retired Homeland Security agent to find out more.
0: Surprise results in Argentina's presidential election. Libertarian candidate Javier Millet secures a win over his socialist rival. But what are the new president's policies?
1: Communism at the United States' doorstep House testimony tells of China's malign influence in Latin America. A specialist on subversion details the ties and what the U.S. should be doing.
0: The holiday shopping season is upon us soon and we take a look at the new department store that's opened up in Middletown, New York. That and more coming up.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD.
1: Today is Monday, November 20th, and today's top news, as the Israel-Hamas war enters its seventh week, focus remains on al-Shifa.
0: Israel published a video yesterday of CCTV footage taken from al-Shifa Hospital on October 7th after the Hamas terrorist attack.
1: The footage shows a Nepalese and Thai civilian abducted from Israeli territory, IDF says, along with terrorists in plain clothes carrying guns.
0: One injured hostage is bleeding on a rolling hospital bed. The other is being pushed and dragged.
1: Another video shows a tunnel that it says was found in the hospital combat inside a shed. The IDF says the tunnel is over 30 feet deep and runs over 50 yards to a blast-proof door with firing holes.
0: The army says the tunnel contained munitions, but that they had not yet opened the door because it was likely to be booby-trapped. And the U.S. and Qatar have given upbeat assessments on talks to release hostages kidnapped by Hamas.
1: The White House says negotiations have been going on around the clock and some areas of disagreement have narrowed.
0: The news comes after a blast rocked a U.N. school that was used as a shelter in northern Gaza. Here's more on the story. Talks have intensified
5: recently for the release of hostages being held by Hamas. The White House says officials have been working around the clock to secure their release.
6: What I can say uh, about this at this time is we think uh, that we are closer than we have been uh, perhaps at any point uh, since these negotiations began weeks ago.
5: Hamas abducted about 240 people, including some Americans, during the October 7 attacks, according to Israeli officials. Though official accounts have varied as intelligence in Gaza develops.
7: I really believe that it's time for the Israeli government and the United States government to work out a fair deal to bring some of these hostages home.
5: Pressure is growing on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to reach a deal for their safe return. Qatar has been acting as a mediator between Israel, Hamas and the United States.
6: There are areas of difference uh, and disagreement that have been narrowed, uh, if not uh, closed out entirely. Family members have grown impatient
5: as they worry about their loved ones being held.
6: For me, yeah, of course I'm frustrated.
13: I want to see them home now.
5: And the war continues to rage in Gaza. On Saturday, a blast occurred at a United Nations-run school being used as a shelter in Gaza. It is unknown what caused the blast, and Israel says an investigation is underway.
1: And earlier I spoke with Ariel Lightstone, former senior advisor to the U.S. Ambassador to Israel, and I asked him, what more does Israel need to do to justify the war in Gaza?
4: I think a couple different things. This past Friday night when I hugged my kids at the Sabbath dinner, I realized it was 42 nights since 42 nights since other parents hugged their kids for the last time, not knowing that they wouldn't see their kids and know about their whereabouts. Uh, The fact that this is even questioning Israel's support or support for President Biden supporting Israel uh, questions the moral compass of those people who are pushing back against that. So Israel has a job to do. I think Israel will do that job. And I think in the United States of America, we have to make sure that we're standing with Israel. You saw just this past week that Osama bin Laden was trending on TikTok. Uh, we have to do some resetting of the values that we have.
1: The public, they're still unconvinced. So where does Israel fall short? What else do they need to show?
4: You're 100% correct. The public will remain unconvinced. They just showed CCTV of hostages being kept there. They've interviewed doctors who are in the hospital who admit that there's parts of the hospital that they're not allowed to go to on pain of their own death. They've discovered tunnels that are there that are protected by uh, bulletproof doors that are likely not holding like, like extra PPE material. Israel repeatedly will show stuff. The world will repeatedly ignore that which it shows. So therefore, Israel has an obligation to go do what it does. Just as you can remember the first week of the war when we spoke about this, Israel was accused of bombing the Indonesian hospital or the Baptist hospital. You get confused which hospital they get confused of bombing. And it turns out that they didn't do the bombing. That did not affect the ability of the world to accuse Israel of the next war crime and the next war crime and the next war crime, all of which Israel disprove that they had done so you wind up with a situation where Israel has an insurmountable obstacle to try to disprove and I think that they're actually done trying to do that they'll conduct themselves appropriately by the conduct of war and they'll execute the war that needs to happen now when you spoke about President Biden President Biden can actually resolve all of this by not including in every one of his comments that Israel has an obligation to conduct itself based upon the rules of war by saying that it implies that had he not warned them They wouldn't conduct themselves by the rule of war. That's ridiculous. Israel does conduct itself by the international rules of war and the United States of America should just come out and publicly support them for doing so.
1: Moving to Argentina, the country has a new president. Libertarian candidate Javier Millet won the country's presidential election in a runoff with his rival economy minister Sergio Massa. Massa conceded defeat yesterday. The newly elected president has pledged a new era for Argentina, a country currently facing economic turmoil, soaring inflation, and rising poverty. Entities Cost Jimenez has more.
16: President elect Javier Milei secured his win with over 55% of the votes. His rival, Sergio Massa, received just over 44 percent. Millet promises drastic changes for the country. Today brings an end to this idea
2: that the state is shared among politicians and their friends. Today brings an end to this vision that the perpetrators are the victims, and the victims are the perpetrators. Today we retake the path that made this country great. Today we embrace the ideas of libertarianism.
16: In his first speech, he told supporters that the South American country's situation has global significance and that there is no room for gradualism nor lukewarm measures in tackling the country's dire economic situation and corruption. Argentina has dropped from being one of the world's wealthiest countries less than a century ago to one of the poorest, owing to high government spending and stagnation under the previous socialist governments which advocated for social justice. Milay's other pledges include eliminating the nation's central bank, cutting unnecessary government spending, and deregulating private gun ownership, as well as using the US dollar as the country's currency and cutting economic ties with China. Inflation in Argentina has soared above 140% this year, surging past 100% in February for the first time in over 30 years. Global leaders, including current and former heads of state, gave their reactions to Millay's win on social media, with many congratulating the new president, including former president Donald Trump. While Colombian socialist President Gustavo Petro called Millay's win sad for Latin America. Millay is expected to assume office on December 10th. Kostemannes, NTD News.
0: China's influence in
16: Latin America. It's doing harm to countries
0: in the region and is an example of the hostilities of communism being at the US's geographic doorstep. That's according to testimony before the House Foreign Affairs Committee. It says the Chinese regime's offers usually involve predatory lending and infrastructure investment that leads to more surveillance. I wanted to explore this topic more, so I spoke with communist subversion expert, Trevor Loudon, who is also an Epic Times contributor and the author of The Enemies Within.
14: China, the People's Republic of China, has huge influence in many Latin American countries now. Um, Panama, with the Panama Canal, which is extremely strategic. Lots and lots of influence in Brazil, they're doing uh, Chinese agricultural companies are moving into Brazil. Since uh, Lula da Silva, the president from the Workers' Party, took over after ousting Bolsonaro, the Chinese influence has massively increased. You know, China's involved with Brazil in the BRICS, the, the Brazil, Brazil Russia India China alliance, which is now expanding to take down the US dollar. But also, um, Mexico. Um, AMLO, the president of Mexico, uh, who is a former member of the Mexican Communist Party and a, a founder, well, a longtime member of the Sao Paulo Forum, that's an uh, alliance of socialist and communist parties set up in 1990 by Lula da Silva of Brazil and Fidel Castro. Um, You know, AMLO has has uh, the the president of Brazil, Obrador or AMLO, as he's known, has made huge uh, connections to the Chinese Communist Party. And we're hearing reports of of Chinese nationals regularly coming across the border. Now, many of them believed to have links with Chinese special forces, etc. So this is economic. It's political, it's strategic, it's military. It's it's all of these things. What should the United
0: States be doing right now to counter China's growing influence in Latin America?
14: Well, basically, the United States needs to get a lot tougher on Latin America. The the answer of the Obama administration onwards has basically been throw more money in Latin America. As Latin America goes more left-wing and uh, more illegal immigrants to start coming across the border. The answer has been, well, we need to help uh, build the infrastructure of Latin America. So these people don't come across the border, etc. No, the United States needs to get very, very, very tough. Reassert the Monroe Doctrine, you know, which, which said that no European or Asian power would ever be allowed into America's sphere of influence. So now we've got Chinese bases in Cuba. You know, it's a Chinese spy base in Cuba. China is deeply in bed with the, the left-wing government of Colombia, who were formerly a great American ally. Um, China's in Mexico, China's in Costa Rica, China's in Panama, controlling the Panama Canal. So America has to reassert the Monroe Doctrine. You tell every Latin American country, if you want to keep trading with China, with United States, cut your ties to China that it has to be China or the United States. You choose, and that has to be enforced very strongly.
0: Very good in-depth analysis on this. Trevor Loudon, Epic Times contributor and author of The Enemies Within, thank you.
14: Thank you, sir.
1: Coming up, Texas Governor Greg Abbott hands out his 2024 endorsement. He says the U.S. needs a president who will restore law and order and not let criminals run
11: amok.
0: Sam Altman, CEO and co-founder of OpenAI, was fired last Friday in a move that shocked the tech world. Today, he's found a new job at Microsoft.
1: A new department store unveils its grand opening just in time for the holiday shopping season. We take a look at some of the products and potential gift ideas. Welcome back. Heading to the border, the number of Chinese nationals crossing into the U.S. from Mexico this fiscal year broke the record.
0: That's 12 times as much as last year and 70 times as much as fiscal year 2021. Let's hear more on the security risks this may pose from Victor Avila, a retired special agent with Homeland Security Investigations ICE. Victor, thank you for joining us this morning. What is the likelihood that spies are embedded in the 24,000 Chinese nationals apprehended by border patrol while attempting to enter the country?
9: Well, we uh, absolutely have to keep that in mind and and kind of be uh, assumed that they're here. Uh, I don't like the word assume, but uh, because of the numbers that have come through that southern border, uh, just like we've been concentrating on national security and other terrorists, uh, usually from Middle East and what's happening in Israel. Let's not forget about China. China has been embedded in Mexico for many, many years and have also taken advantage of this open border system and have infiltrated us on many different aspects. Uh, the uh, internet, intellectual property rights, uh, intelligence gathering, uh, infiltrating our universities and gathering intelligence, uh, the balloons that we saw just last year, uh, the fentanyl that they bring into Mexico uh, uh, and the precursors to uh, kill hundreds of thousands of Americans. So it's definitely a huge national security issue.
0: Right, thanks for outlining those things. And we've seen video footage purportedly showing these military age men that are trying to enter the country down at the border there. So can you elaborate a little bit more on just why we're seeing such a rise in the last few years?
9: Well, um, I just returned from the border just yesterday, and let me tell you, the, uh, the world knows that the border is open. Uh, and in this case, I was in El Paso, Texas, and the uh, information has gone out. And they have made their way from uh, not just China, but all over the world to infiltrate us through Mexico. And uh, a lot of times, people think that the Chinese might have to uh, secretly infiltrate us. And, and of course, we have those as well that are smuggled into the country that do not want to be detected. I worked those cases when I worked in Mexico City. I I worked a a, a very complex international uh, uh, human Chinese smuggling case from China, Mexico to New York. So that happens as well. But also, most of them are turning themselves into Border Patrol because they know that they could just walk up to be Border Patrol and be uh, processed and released into the country under this uh, uh, catch and release policy.
0: Yeah, and earlier I spoke to journalist Michael Yan about this, and he was explaining how some of these Chinese nationals would actually carry a bunch of cash. They would use sophisticated routes to get into the United States, bypassing what some of the other civilians would have to go through, and also that they would go through that Darien Gap, that treacherous pass, in order to arrive here finally at the United States. So those are some great lengths, but what can be done once they actually make it to the border to prevent purported Chinese spies from entering the country?
9: Well, um, I would take it one one step further and go back and deal with Mexico and China itself. Uh, The way you describe it, it would be a little bit too late the way this is going on now. All of this is going to change in 2024, but for now, we have to keep in mind that uh, we have to continue to put pressure on Mexico and continue to put pressure on on China. Now this past week would have been the perfect example and, and opportunity to do that. And I just didn't see our government do that with China, especially with Mexico. I know there was talks about, you know, making a deal with the fentanyl and all that, but we can't trust these governments and we can't trust Mexico. I I work there. Uh, They're as corrupt. Uh, Both countries are very corrupt. And we have to uh, maybe go as far as implementing some sanctions here and and really taking it uh, one step further to protect our public safety and national security and sovereignty as well.
0: And do you say that it starts there because once they reach the border under these set of conditions, it may already be too late to prevent this? Just briefly.
9: That's absolutely true. I mean, uh, the way I've seen it is these individuals—they know that uh, they're, they're being in Mexico is as good as being in the United States. It's just a matter of time. And so that 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 uh, that Ma- Michael Young described that those treacherous journeys—some are treacherous, some just fly in—and so we have very different types of routes that they take. But by then, it, it's just too late. Uh, we are not tracking them in the United States. We're not having that ability to do that because this administration has taken that enforcement away from our law enforcement agencies. It's not just Border Patrol, it's HSI, it's ICE and uh, and enforcement removal operations, the interior. And so it's a combination of other agencies that have not been allowed to do their jobs. And here we are hoping that nothing happens into an attack or something in our country.
0: Well, thank you for your analysis based on your first-hand experience. Victor Avila, retired special agent with Homeland Security Investigation's ICE.
9: Thank you.
1: A new NBC poll has President Biden losing in a potential 2024 rematch with former President Trump.
0: Trump came in with 46 percent of registered voter support. President Biden, 44 percent.
1: The results are within the poll's margin of error, with Trump holding on to his lead over GOP rivals.
0: Presidential candidate Nikki Haley gained some ground, up six points from the last NBC poll.
1: Biden's approval rating dropped to 40 percent, the lowest since he took office. One of the major areas Biden is seeing trouble is foreign policy and the Israel-Hamas war. Over 60 percent of Democrats polled disapproved of his foreign policy and 56 percent of all voters disapproved of his handling of the war in Gaza. Around 70% of young Democrat voters shared that sentiment.
0: Biden also lost a hypothetical matchup with a random, unnamed GOP opponent. The generic candidate had nearly 50%. Biden had just under 40%.
1: And just in this morning, the ousted CEO of OpenAI is joining Microsoft. After being fired last Friday, Sam Altman's termination caused a firestorm of reactions, moves, and counter-moves over the weekend.
0: OpenAI is the company behind ChatGPT. The sudden firing surprised the tech world, including Microsoft, which owns 49% of the company.
1: According to a memo signed by all four board of directors, Altman's behavior and lack of transparency in his interactions with the board hindered their ability to oversee the company as required.
0: Meanwhile, former CEO of Twitch, Emmett Shearer, is joining OpenAI. Shearer posted on X that it was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity.
1: And also, the holiday shopping season is starting soon, so time to start looking for gifts.
0: That's right, and in the middle of Orange County, New York, a newly opened department store called New Middletown welcomed reporters for its grand opening. Let's take a look.
2: Three, two, one. After a ribbon cutting ceremony on Friday, the New Middletown's department store in Middletown, New York, officially announced its grand opening. The newly renovated two-story department store includes a wide range of products from local businesses as well as international items from designer jewelry, leather products and silk, to sportswear and select items from Shinyu Collections and Shinyu Dancer.
12: So, our mission of uh, opening New Middletown Department Store is to bring back this shopping tradition and give the people the opportunity to shop in person, shop local and mingle with your local neighborhood.
2: For local residents, New Middletown holds a lot of meaning from the memories of the original building.
7: And it was just so beautiful to see they brought back all the traditions, and bringing back a lot of memories for a lot of people. So we're very thankful about the millions of dollars of investment, and at the same time we're very hopeful that uh, they'll be here to do a lot of business.
11: It's a little bit of the, the past, but now we're looking towards the future, the present and future, and we're really excited what's, what's become here.
4: I used to shop in Tompkins, so to come back now and see it renovated with such beauty and such wonderful products, and, and it's going to be a lovely addition to downtown Middletown, and uh, I can't wait to bring my wife here.
2: Representatives from the offices of New York State Assemblywoman Eileen Gunther and Congressman Pat Ryan also celebrated the grand opening of New Middletown Thank and you presented so commendations. Thank you.
0: Well, that is really great.
1: How exciting. Yeah. I actually really do enjoy shopping for holiday gifts over, you know, just as long as you're not too last minute and everybody is kind of fighting for things, um, especially in person. So that's great.
0: Yeah. Well, and if you visit their enterprise, you could get some really nice stuff like silk
1: oh there we go yeah um, I'm always open for some tips here (laughs) all right Uh, we have to wrap up our show now but we'll keep you updated with the latest information stay tuned for our news today broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern time thanks for watching I'm Evelyn Lee
0: and I'm Kevin Hogan